Good morning, Rock Bible Church. It's good to see you this morning. I wasn't sure I was going to make it. It's one of the few questions in uh, See? Can't even speak. Few Sundays in question for me. I did a wedding Friday night. I did a wedding last night. And now we're doing services this morning. My daughter asked me on, uh, I think it was either Thursday afternoon or Friday. She said, hey, can you help me with Sutton? And I said, no. Why not? I got two weddings, two sermons. I got to finish my outline. I started listing off all this stuff. And she said, wow, good luck. <laughs> and walked. Hey, uh, Mike's a little hot for me. Hot for my taste. Thank you. <clears throat> but uh, we do have a couple announcement things coming up. Today, our Mexico team is meeting at 1 o'clock for one of our training preparatory uh, gatherings. And so 1 o'clock out in the clubhouse. And uh, if you're on that trip, you need to be at that meeting. And uh, it uh, is about an hour. So uh, for the rest of you who aren't going to that meeting, you're praying. Not for the whole hour. You don't have to. But at some point, you're praying because uh, we want to do a great job. We want to be good stewards of the gifts and blessings that God's given us and what we're going to do down in Mexico for people there. So uh, we started some houses and we want to continue to go well. So uh, be praying for that always, right? Cool. And then uh, congratulations Friday night, uh, James and Denise Bulat. Can't say Lassard anymore. Uh, so uh, they tied the knot right back there in the yard. It was great. It was a little loud. It was definitely fun. Uh, the food and the whole thing, we just had a great time uh, out there. And then last night, uh, Kayla Armtrout was betrothed to uh, uh, Justin Hahn. So uh, Justin and Kayla Hahn, uh, members, uh, people in the church too. So uh, had a great little thing out in Byron last night. Wind was blowing. We decided that was the Holy Spirit. And uh, we made the most of it anyways. Great little venue. Uh, and uh, just had a great little time. So uh, uh, congratulations to both of them. Uh, and as a reminder of one of the reasons we're here. Amen. We're being a community that serves a greater community. And one of the ways is we, we perform services uh, whether it's on campus or somewhere else, but we bring God into things. And I was uh, so pleased both Friday night and uh, and last night to hear the speeches of like best man or maid of honor or father of the bride, all talking about God, almost every single one talking about God uh, in their speeches. So that was, that was kind of neat for me. So, uh, and... As neat for me is this morning, continuing our series in uh, Colossians. We're doing chapter 2, first, first part of Colossians chapter 2, as is our tradition, going through books of the Bible section at a time and uh, asking God what are our topics, rather than having me come up with topics. Who knows how well that would go. Uh, much better if we just go through what did Paul cover and the whole thing, and we've been looking at um, several different things in the last couple of weeks. We split up uh, chapter one. We talked about first the idea that we're qualified for inheritance and then we're reconciled to reveal last week. Uh, what qualifies us? What is our inheritance? Uh, how were we reconciled? And, and what was revealed to us and what are we to reveal to others? Um, so great little 
progression of thought. We're going to continue it uh, this week with freed to walk. There's a D after the free. Okay, so it's not free to walk because that's a little bit different idea than freed. That D carries a lot of weight in meaning. And we're going to see that this morning as we get in. Uh, we're going to do Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. And uh, we'll, we'll throw a few stories in there and have a little fun with it. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, relationship, that you're a relational God. In fact, even in your being, three parts in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there's relationship there. We thank you, Lord, how much you value it with us. You call our relationship to you a marriage your son being the groom, the church being the bride. And then you call us to marriage, the two to become one, that we love you, love our neighbor, and then learn how to do that intimately with another person. I pray, Lord, that you would help us this morning figure out how do we do that well in all of our relationships. What have you freed us for? And how are we to walk? And so, Lord, I, I pray you bless this time, this passage, uh, what I say, uh, maybe what I don't say even more, uh, but, Lord, that this time would honor you and bring attention and glory to your Son in all aspects. And we pray this in his name, Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's, uh, let's get going. Um, uh, by the way, I've lost my HDMI signal up there, but we'll, that's an internal thing. Uh, this is chapter 2, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. This is Paul writing to this church and basically saying, uh, we, we care about everybody. We, we struggle, they struggle, not just in your place, but uh, you know, you're not the only church, Colossae. There's Laodicea too. I care about them too. What's he kind of implying they should be caring about? More than just themselves, right? Good lesson. And then I, I thought it was kind of interesting in the midst of all of the pandemic stuff and the things that we've had to deal with. He says, you know, and for all those who have not seen me face to face. For him, there's something about the face to face. There's something about being present. Now, they didn't have YouTube, <laughs> They didn't have video. They didn't have internet. You know, so what a blessing it is that we have to continue to stay connected with one another, and uh, and and different ways that we can do that. Um, and I've been I've been kind of amazed. You know, we we just started to open up a few weeks back, maybe six weeks, something like that. I don't count. Uh, but we start having people showing up in the service, distanced and mass and the whole thing. Uh, but then also outside, people starting to show up. We had Easter, new people coming back we haven't seen in a while. Go to a wedding, all of a sudden you see more people you haven't seen in a while. And I've been amazed at what many of them have said. Because some of them I haven't seen in a year. And I come to them and I say, oh, it's so great to see you. I've missed you so much. And they, you know what they say to me? I think probably at least six or seven different groups of people have said this. Oh, no, we see you every week. I, what do you mean? Well, we're watching every week. We got the YouTube thing. We figured it out, you know, and by the way, the new setup's better than the last setup and blah, blah, blah. And what a great tech team and Bryce and la, da, da, the whole thing. And I think to myself, well, I'm glad you're happy. I haven't seen you in a year. 
I'm missing out on the face-to-face. This whole pandemic thing has been harder on me than any of you. I, I'm convinced. That was sarcastic. That was meant to be funny. But it was meant to draw attention to the idea that there's something about the face-to-face. And especially in ministry. I'm not sure how you do ministry remotely. At some point, you have to show up. You have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. How do we serve? How do we take care of? How do we heal? How do we teach, train, forgive? Don't, don't send me a I'm sorry over a text message. I, don't, don't do that. My, one of my kids got a I'm sorry for something that someone had done over a text message. That just feels chicken. Because it is. <laughs> Because it takes a little something to stand in front of somebody, right? To be present, to be vulnerable, to be honest. Uh, I, I think of the old um, knighting of knights, where they would, you, you don't knight, knight them remotely. You don't have them, you know, they would come up and they would stand right in front of the king. And then what would they do? They would kneel on the ground. And then. <laughs> He takes this big old sword and he taps it on one side of their head and then on the other side of their head. There's something about that face-to-face totally vulnerable. Like, if we're going to work together, you're going to be a knight and I'm going to be king. Let's remember that we're accountable to one another. Um, and I love that Paul draws attention to this. And I, uh, at the same time, respect the situation we're in and have been in. And so we got to be careful. But in the midst of that, in your pod groups or your, you know, different protocol areas of the people you are, how are you doing face-to-face? Who can you do face-to-face with safely? That's a great question. Paul um, writes letters because that was, that was their remote. That was their remote learning. As well, I'll write you a letter and, you know, weeks from now it'll eventually get to you. That's how they stayed connected. Uh, but he knew that that was just a substitute what face-to-face does Uh, verse two that their hearts may be encouraged why do we do face-to-face it's encouraging no i i think um let's just talk about church membership church attendance because people like to ask me all the time well hey so and so they they go to your church and a lot of times I, i don't know especially during pandemic they don't show up each week i don't know that's been one of the fun things over the last six weeks, eight weeks, is finding out who actually attends our church. <laughs> they still come. Because right? it's hard to know. And when they show up, it's encouraging. Not just to me, but to the body, to have a crowd. right? And all of a sudden, whether they signed a membership covenant, it's not as exciting. I mean, in a membership covenant is exciting, and to be a member of a church and to belong and have a church make a commitment to you, that's 100% important. And I'm not downplaying that. But if they did that and then they weren't attending regularly and you didn't get to see them, well, you're missing out on some encouragement. Uh, Because that's how you get knit together in love, is by being together, by interacting, and to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery. Did we just tie face to face to the knowledge of God's mystery? And what is God's mystery? Which is 
That was pretty below average. I know the queuing wasn't very good. People at home, I know you did really well. But the people here, we're going to try again with them, right? We talked about face-to-face and that they be encouraged, knit together in love, in reaching the riches of assurance and understanding and knowledge of this mystery, all of that tied together, which is what? Christ. That's weird. I thought I'd, all I needed was me and Jesus. I mean, isn't that doctrinally sound, right? Christ came, died for me, uh, forgave my sin, conquered debt. That's all I need. And I hear, I hear way too often people tell me, well, I don't feel like I really need to go to church. My really, I have my relationship with the Lord, and that's all I need. Okay, good. Theologically, that's sound. If you're talking about the theology of Christ or theology of salvation or theology of sin, I get it. What about the doctrine of fellowship or the doctrine of the church? Where it says, do not forsake the assembly of the body as some are in the habit of doing. That that could be a habit. Don't do that. Why? It leads to a knowledge of Christ. That relationship with the Lord that you think is so strong that you don't need to go to church is actually built by being around other believers. Because I don't have all the answers. (gasps) What a great revelation. And the moment you figure out how few your answers are and how diminishing your answers are, like you're, as you get older, you have fewer and fewer answers. And that's so backwards to me. I always thought as a kid, I can't wait to get older because when I get older, I'll be as smart as dad, right? I'll be as smart as mom and I'll, I'll be progressing. And it's funny, talking to my parents and experiencing myself, them saying, yeah, yeah, the, the older I get, the more questions I have, right? What, what's the implication? If you have more questions, then you have fewer answers, right? You have answers that are missing. How do those get filled in? How do we solve mysteries? One of the ways is with other people. You ever done an escape room? This new trend? It's a weird thing. They lock you in a room and you have to figure out how to get out. No, not me. I know, I'm not doing that. I don't want to be locked. That sounds like jail. Mm, Yeah, pretty much it is. It's jail. But they have this game thing now. They have thematic stuff and all this artwork and little clues and puzzles and riddles and all this stuff. And you got to find a key and do that and put a combo somewhere and look through the glass at the certain angle and all this kind of stuff. Oh, there's a string. Pull it. Oh, no. Now it's, now it's going to take even longer to get out because you shouldn't have pulled that string. All these tricks. And there's people that think that's the greatest thing. And I, all I can think of is I'm, if I'm in there, I'm stuck. You know, that is our relationship with life in some ways. I've never gone to one of those by myself. Why? Because I know I'll never get out. Now, I've gone a bunch of times, especially Brent and Ashley. They're like world champions or something. Uh, all of a sudden, you're in a room and you're trying to get out and you've got a bunch of people and you're working on stuff together. Somehow it turns into fun. Like by myself, it feels like a challenge and work, and I get a little nervous. But with other people, it's enjoyable. Or you get out and they say, oh, let's do that again. Let's get locked in another room. 
No, no, let's not do that. <laughs> um, to each his own, amen? Uh, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I mean, we're going to, before we switch slides, right there, what was, that's a major statement. What, what was just said? All of wisdom and knowledge are contained in Christ. Well, I'm not sure. You're right. You're not sure. Why? Because it says it's hidden. It's hidden. And our world is functioning in a way where they're coming up with their own ideas. In fact, Paul's going to talk about that very idea in just a second. But we're coming up with our own ideas thinking that we're going to find treasure. We're going to find effectiveness. We're going to win. And really the keys to life come from the one who created life. Conquered life and death showed us what real life is supposed to be like and is really kind of asking the question when are you going to jump in when are you going to jump into the system the plan right so uh so far who's the center of this whole discussion christ okay good i'm just making sure you're catching that because it's going to come out here again in a second uh let's go to verse four i say this in order why did i say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Why is he saying this? He says, I'm telling you this because there's deluded stuff out there. What's deluded? Water down. Spread out. What have we done to the value of something when we dilute it? We diminish it. We kinda, it starts to lose its value. Right? You take a, a bunch of coals and you spread them out. What happens? It starts cooling off. You take salt and mix it with a bunch of water. It's pretty hard to get that salt back. Right? And then you don't want to drink the water either. <laughs> uh, but how does that happen? With plausible arguments. Oh, arguments sound bad, but plausible sounds good. That's a big word. Plausible. What's plausible mean? plausible well if you ask the all-knowing siri she'll tell you that it means uh, uh possibly reasonable or correct you know the world's coming out with coming at us with plenty of arguments that have a little bit of truth or something that looks like truth or it makes sense for a while and then we run after it. And Paul said, no, no, just because the world thinks you should be able to do this or should be able to do that because of your convenience or what you want or how you feel. Careful. That will dilute you. It will spread you out. It will cool you off. It will take away some of your value. The things you do. That's interesting to me. It's like somebody, you know, it's, it's a plausible argument to me. It seemingly makes sense. You shouldn't lock your car. What? Why wouldn't you lock your car? Well, you see, when you get to your car, if your car's not locked, you can get into your car that much faster. That's a good argument. I like that argument. In fact, let's do that with houses. Just don't lock your door. Why? Because when you get home, you don't have to get out your key. In fact, let's just get rid of keys. Keys are a waste of time. 
They just make everything take longer. Kind of makes sense. Just a little bit. What's the problem? <laughs> In science, they'd say, you're missing some variables, right? On the street, they'd say, Scott, you're missing some marbles, <laughs> right? How are you going to protect your stuff? How are you going to be a good steward of what God's given you if you don't protect it, if you don't maintain it, you don't take care of it? You lock your car. Why? So somebody doesn't get in it? Take something. Dilute your car. Right? So um, don't worry. This doesn't happen very often. Was that sarcasm? Okay, like four people in the room figured that out. Okay. Uh, We're surrounded by plausible arguments. Relationships should go this way. Your sexuality should go this way. You should take these kind of pills. You should go to these kind of places. You should do this with your money. You should watch this. You should listen to that. You should never do this. Your politics should be here. And everybody's got ideas for you of what you can and cannot do. Wow. How, how do you manage your way through that forest? You find the biggest tree. And you just go to the biggest tree. That's, that's where I know where I am. One of the things I hated about Little Rock. There were no monuments, land masses, structures that you could gauge from. No matter where you were, all the trees were the same height and everything was pretty much flat. And it's like, where am I? No idea. There's no hill. Like here, we just we walk out the door and go, oh, there's the ridge. Right, go a little bit there. Oh, there's Altamont. Oh, there's windmills, right? Or a big, tall building. We, we need something that we're chasing after that marks where we are and, and how we get our grounding and our centeredness. And Christ is supposed to be that, not someone else's idea. Verse 5, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. You'll be fine when you're following Christ. And if I have to watch you from a distance, I'll enjoy watching you follow Christ and your faith doing that. Um, Great idea. Amen? I want to give you your first fill-in here, uh, so get your outlines out. This is this idea that the mystery of Christ can be diluted by the plausible. It's super easy to come up with an argument to reject God. And I, and I need you to understand the progression here, the slippery slope of, well, I'm not sure about Jesus. And, you know, some of the things that is said about him, ah, I don't believe that. And God couldn't have created everything because I, I read a tiny bit of science. And so I have all the answers now. And here's the problem. When you can discredit God, guess who's much, much easier to discredit? You are. When God's in question, everything else is on the table. We can trash every. You can trash God. Man, we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like, we're just going to throw out everything. It's this idea that um, truth is relative. And what's true for Gene is true for Gene. It's not true for me. Really? 
It's, it's this attack on universal truth. Right? When people say universal truth does not exist, there's no such thing, they're selling you a universal truth. There has to be universal truth. Because there can't not be universal truth, because that would be a universal truth. And I love the logic of, um, you know, studying scripture, hermeneutics, apologetics, really, apologetics, the idea that we reason our faith. Because if you spend enough time, it starts to make sense. It really will fit in. And the problem with plausible arguments, as the passage calls it, is they've spent this much time on it. And they like the answer that they got. And we, if we, when you like the answer more than the equation, ooh, that's how you fail math. I had so many shortcuts in math. They were amazing. And they got me to the answer very quickly. And then the teacher would ruin it. They didn't understand my answers. And so they wanted to call them wrong. It's like, I didn't care. My equation. See, I enjoyed the equation and skipping steps. Right? In math, do you, do you remember your math teachers telling you, don't skip steps? I was like, okay. I'm skipping steps as fast. Why? Because time is more valuable to me than the right answer. And now we're starting to feel like life. When your time is more important than your result, you're going to make mistakes. When, when uh, the equation, making it easier for you, is more important than the answer, you're going to make mistakes. When your equation costs you too much and you value your money, you're going to come up with wrong answers and you're going to make mistakes. I've been trying to sell the idea to my kids that money is just a resource. It's nothing more. And I'm trying to come up with a better name where it's not even a resource. It's just a thing. It's just one piece of the, the puzzle. Um, because the world is deluding us when it comes to our money, our relationships, our sexuality, so many different things. Um, and truth does not exist in this dojo. Does it? Sensei. Right? Remember that? The famous line from uh, the dojo in, in Karate Kid. Love that they made a comeback with the new show. That's kind of fun. But it used to be, you know, pain does not exist. I can get through pain because I want to get to winning and I want to get to truth. Uh, our culture has switched that to truth does not exist in this dojo anymore. People can say anything. There's no accountability and they do it for their own means, for their own result. Uh, and it's it's destroying culture. Uh, we're starting to look like Sodom and Gomorrah. Gee, Scott, you're such a bummer today. No, no. We have the answers, right? The mystery of Christ can be diluted by the plausible. Guess what, though? What's that mean? The mystery of Christ can be known, um, attained by truth, by real reason. Right? The opposite of that needs to be true. 
needs to be true. Let's move on to uh, verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. Now, I tried this the other day. It was kind of fun. Uh, do you, are you a write, a write in your Bible kind of person? I understand the arguments for not writing in Scripture. And I don't want to violate your, if you've got a thing like, I'm never writing in my Bible. I get that. I'm not going to argue with you. Because you're wrong and you want to be wrong. And that's okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I say that kind of sarcastically, actually, because I do believe that it's okay to have a pure Bible. I get that. Uh, maybe have two. One you write in and one you don't. Right? But uh, uh, I want you to underline that phrase there. So walk in him. Why, Scott? It's four little words. They're all really small. In fact, none of them seem like they're very important. Yes. Except for last week, I had a lot of fun being an English teacher. And so I'm going back. Usually I like to be a math teacher because math was kind of my subject, right? But I'm getting better at English. Uh, this is the only active verb in the whole passage for you, kind of. There's another one coming up that says see, and that's a command, right? This is an imperative verb, so walk. He's saying walk, that's a command, right? Um, not let yourself walk, not be walked like someone puts a leash on you and takes you for a walk, right? No, this is the only active verb in the whole thing. It says you have to walk. Now, is he literally saying walk, or is it figurative? So this is how you live your life. You walk through life this way is what he's saying. And how is he saying that we should walk? In the truth of Christ, in the mystery of Christ, with other people face to face in knowledge as we figure out the mystery. I love that Paul's honest with us. Uh, one, I hate liars. I thought we weren't supposed to hate anyone. I don't hate anyone. I just hate liars. <laughs> And when they change, they're not liars anymore, and then I don't hate them anymore, right? Um, no, he's, he's honest with us when he calls it a mystery. But I'll tell you what, there's a bunch of stuff I'm still trying to figure out. One of the things I hate the most is when people come and ask me a really, really good question. And I think to myself, I'm going to make something up right now. <laughs> no, uh, when you have to tell them, you know, I don't know, I'd have to look into that. Or... Gosh, I've never dealt with something like that. In fact, I'm not even sure in Scripture where to look to think about that. But, but it's not that there is no answer. It's just a mystery for a while. Till we do the work, we take the time, we get around other people who might have different experiences, different set of eyes, and we stumble on it. Why? Because that's the way we walk. That's how we walk. Right? So now we know where we got walk in our title, freed to walk. Let's keep, uh, let's keep going. Rooted and built up. If you're built up, it doesn't say building yourself up. If you were built up, someone else did the building. Right? Uh, and if you were rooted, you didn't root yourself, in him, established in the faith. Established by someone else. Else doesn't say establishing yourself in faith. Just as you were taught, 
You were taught to let these things happen to you, right? To be rooted, to be built up, to be established. That's what you were taught. And here's, you can do it with Thanksgiving. Be thankful, right? Oh, Scott, you said walk was the only active verb. I, it is. You walk thankfully. It's a ing. It's a, um, what do they call it? Participle. Man, the English is coming out. Isn't this fun? Like, I'm never going back to that church. <laughs> uh, abounding in thank, we walk thankfully. Why? Because of all these things that have been done for us. Right? Verse 8. See to it. Here's your only other active verse. See to what? The walking. <laughs> right? It's just a reference back to the walking. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to who? Christ. He says, look, you're going to come across things that try to captivate you. Uh, philosophies, deception, tradition, and we just hit the big trifecta. That's what we're bombarded with every single day. And it cracks me up then. People say, you know, the Bible's just not applicable today. It's a 2,000-year-old book, and it just, it's kind of outdated. <laughs> really? <laughs> or you're undereducated. I can't say that as a pastor to someone, right? It's a book for dummies, and you should read it. How do I know that? I'm the chief dummy. I've been trying to figure this out for years, and it's starting to make sense. Amen? Uh, something's going to happen to you is what we're being told. Something's going to happen to you, no matter what. As much as you want to be master and commander, or master of your own destiny, or uh, totally independent, or super capable, or educated, or I got my title, as much as you want to be under control, you got control issues, because something's going to happen to you, and it's either going to be good or bad. You're either going to be dece deceived and deluded and pulled by arguments that kind of make sense and take you off in the wrong way because they're false, or something else is going to happen to you. God's going to start working on you as you walk in Him. And He's going to root you, establish you, build you up, uh, and do all these things to where the mystery is still a mystery for them. But you're going to start dancing with clarity. Ooh. And now I have to talk about this. Because one of my favorite things about weddings... <laughs> It's not the wedding itself, because when the wedding's going on, I'm working, right? Do you, do you, I'll stand here, okay, pass the thing, all right, no, let's turn your face, all right, no, exchange, repeat after me, I'm working. What's my favorite part of weddings? The reception, right? A.K.A. the party. I try to remember what we're doing there is really we're celebrating a love that God has already created, and right? They're just affirming what's already happened in their hearts. They've just been patiently waiting to unite. We won't go any farther with that, right? Um, I love the reception because there's great food. There's music. There's speeches. People are dressed up. And now I'm the audience. You see, during a wedding, I have to perform, and then you got the bride and the groom and the whole thing, and I'm performing. Everybody else is the audience. They're just watching me. The tables flip at the reception, and now... I have front row seats to the greatest people watching venue of all time. 
You get to see the dynamics. How are they getting along with Uncle Joe? So-and-so got to give a speech, and oh my, you don't mention that, that, or the other. He mentioned all three. How'd you not know not to say that at somebody's wedding? Right? This has happened so many times. And then the dancing begins. I make sure I have a great seat, plenty of food, a little, little soda. Just I don't have to go in and I can just watch all the dancing. And there's some people, it is still a mystery for them. The mystery of dancing, I, I'm hoping that they come to the Lord at some point. Right? Now, this is the category that I'm in. Okay, that's my category. Anybody that was here Friday night, they're like, oh yeah, well, for sure. He's the, he's the pastor of that church too. <laughs> the mystery of dancing church. Uh, and then there's some people where the dancing is just natural. I mean, they're, 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 they're getting out of their chair. They're setting their drink down. They're not to the dance floor already. They're just starting to walk to the da- dance floor and they're already, they're getting into it. And you're like, what's going on? That's not walking. It's not quite, I mean, they're, they know what, what they're to do. Uh, we want to get into that dancing and clarity with God thing in our relationship with him, right? Uh, we want to change this passage where it says, so dance in him, right? Didn't it say, so walk in him? And I said, you underline that, it's active verb, blah, blah, blah. What if it got so clear and the mystery was revealed so much to you that it started to feel like a dance, and people come to me and say, hey, how's work? I say, I don't know. What do you mean? You're not working at Rock Bible anymore? You don't work for the soccer club? You're not coaching at the high No, I don't work at any of those places. What? I said, so much fun. I can't call it work. What if we could get to that place in our marriages, in our cubicles, in our corporate meetings, in our monthly accountability, in our quarterly report, in all these different environments. What if we were following the Lord in such a way that we were letting him dictate and do things to us to where we were relating to other people? So we, we knew how to walk. That'd be freeing, wouldn't it? Absolutely it would. For in him, here's the why. Four right there is the why. Why do we walk? Why do we chase the mystery? Why don't we just, I mean, let's just give up. Do what everybody else is doing. He says, no, here's why. In him, the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Love that. New American Standard says, for in him, all the fullness of deity, dwells in bodily form. Because of who Christ is, that's why. We have not just God, but we have God active and present. And for the longest time, or first like six years of the church, I was saying all the time, God's not done yet. We just laugh and, hey, God's not done yet. We're a new church, we're trying to get started, and we're having first over everything. Hey, we bought our first chair, you know, things like that. You know? Now the chairs are 10 years old, right? Um, uh, but this idea that God's not done yet, what's that imply? That means he's still working. Well, dancing more. He doesn't call it work either, right? He's, he's on the scene and he's active. 
What if you took on that as your role spiritually, that you're on the scene and you're active? Insert men's fraternity commercial right here. The men's group. Monday nights, 7 o'clock, right in here. Wednesday mornings, 6 a.m., right in here. What are we working on? How do you be a man? What's God say a man is? What does the Bible say? How do we define it? And right now, just this last week, we started the, the second book. We're week one. All you missed was the intro, which is a little bit filler. But what I'm saying is you could hit the ground running on this new season of winning at work and winning at home. How do you do that? It's our attempt at doing what Paul is commanding to the church at Colossae, right? Why? Because of who Christ is. And you have been filled. Is that done to you or is that something you do? You fill yourself up? No. You have been filled by someone else. Who? In him, Christ. Who is the head of all rule and authority. What did he just do to all other rulers and all other authorities? He didn't quite erase them. I mean, I would like him to erase him. I would actually like to see God's eraser. If he has an eraser, oh, man, right? Uh, they've been dropped to second level at best. They're not top anymore, are they? Anybody else tired and confused as to why some people view either the president or the government or their boss or the county or how all these different authorities seem to be like the ultimate they're not. And we need not be afraid of any ruler or authority. Now, we can be respectful. We can cooperate. We can be good citizens, right? Because we're being a community that serves the greater community. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. But we're always clear about who our ultimate authority is. Who's the top? Who's the head of it? Right? And then, all of a sudden, now the rulers and authorities might be placed by him. Why? Because he's the head ruler. So who's he put in rule? Somebody he wants there. My favorite argument for people who, like, freak out about the president elections, right? I mean, in the last five years, we've had two freak outs, right? At, at least. If you go seven, eight, nine years, you've got three freak outs or more. I don't know. But people always freak out. And I like telling both sides. Why? I'm, I'm sorry you're so upset. Because God, God must have obviously wanted them in office because he put them there. And then they really freak out. How can you say that God put them there? Right? Either side. They both think it's like satanic for the opposition to be in office. Right? And it's like, no, no. If he's in office, it's because the head of all rule and authority deemed it so. And by the way, in four years, they'll be gone. Or there'll be another election and they'll be back. And God will either determine that you haven't learned your lesson or he's going to try something else. But in either way, it's going to change in a little while. It's not the most important thing. You'll be fine, right? Oh, and by the way, having to have your own pres president, that's actually closer to satanic than the opposition being president. Satanism is all about selfishness. You getting what you want. Ooh. Hey, those at home, we just killed the room. Just, I don't know if you're, you, know, you can't hear it, but we just, whoa, that was heavy, right? Um, uh, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. You circumcise yourself or no? No, it said circumcised without hands. What's he saying? 
Some, God did something for you. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. I don't think this is quite talking about circumcision. I think this is symbolic in Him saying, you know, in circumcision we cut something off. They originally did that to prove to the Hebrews that no, you don't do things your own way. You don't have... Uh, a, an heir to your line because God made you a promise with your maidservant. You know, you have the heir to the promise with your wife because that's what God told you to do. And because you tried to solve something the wrong way, you used a body part to solve something, we're going to mark that body part from now on so you remember who's the head of all rule and authority. This here is saying, we're, this is more about Christ being circumcised Right, having been buried, what's this really kind of probably about? Christ being cut off, cut off from life, crucified, and then coming back to life. I said that's the more important thing. What's been done for you is more important than what you think you can do for yourself. So just because a baby can have a procedure in the first seven days, eight days, whatever, that signifies something, it really means nothing compared to what Christ did. Right? It's this idea that Christ has freed us. Amen? In which you were also raised. The powerful working of God. Verse 3, 13, sorry. Uh, and you were dead. Right? In your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. But God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses. Amen? What's, what's happening here? Are we, are we getting some security? And it's happening to us? Right? Are we... Um, next verse. Yeah, let's, um, let's do the second fill-in real quick. Let's do the second fill-in. Faith, this faith in Christ, establishes the security Christ meant for us. Our pursuit of the plausible arguments is usually for gain. Real gain comes in the security that comes through faith in him as the head of all rule and authority. Amen? Um, faith establishes. I, so um, there's a little letter there at the end of establish. And I think it might be a typo. Hasn't faith established... Shouldn't that S be a D? Like, shouldn't it be done and like finished and over? Mm, I don't know. I would like it that better, that way better, right? If it was a D, we'd be done, right? There's nothing more to do. Let's go to the reception, right? Let's just party. Um, no, I think the S is not a typo. I think the S is supposed to be there. Why? What's it imply? Process, ongoing. That the dance is more than one second, and it's over. Dance takes time, right? Three and a half minutes, two and a half minutes, uh, however long the song is, right? Well, the song ends, but you're dancing rather than you danced over. It's this idea that our faith, as we walk, the walking in faith is what establishes us. Christ has freed us to do that. Why? Because he's going to bring security to us as we do it. A tax on you will mean less. 
lost opportunities will start to feel like they might not be a loss. But what you did spend your time on was a gain. Maybe you're investing in something that's eternal rather than temporal. It's a great piece for um, Paul to uh, remind us of. Let's go back to passage 14, last two verses. Uh, By canceling the record of debt, how did he do it? He canceled our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. All those verbs, are they active for you? No, they're all things he did. Now we know why there's the D on free in the title of the sermon. You're not free. You were freed. Big difference. Well, if I was freed, then aren't I free? Yes. But don't miss how it happened. Catch how it happened. You were freed. And why? So you could walk. Walk like him. He nailed it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What? He didn't, he didn't, he triumphed, is it? Did we just skip to a different book or a different argument? What do you mean? How did he triumph over the rulers and authorities? How did he do that? Was he in, in some kind of conflict with them? Did they have a war? No, they, they didn't have a war. Was there a duel? Just two guys? No. But how did he win? How did he triumph? They proved who he was. He proved that he was rule and authority. He proved his control over sin and death and life and all things. As was said in the previous chapter, that he might have first place in all things. What, again, got to say, what's that do to our rulers and authorities? Puts them in second place at best. Uh, both the ones on your side and the ones on the other side. Right? They're second place at best. What's the question then? Well, may the Lord re- uh, bless the reading of his word. Amen? Uh, here's the question. What uh, needs to be nailed still? If he's freed you to walk... Explore this mystery, enjoy it, get smarter, clearer, where it becomes a dance. What are you holding on to that you need to let be nailed to the cross? What do you need to give up? What do you need to start doing? You know, there might be things we need to avoid. There might be things we need to hold on to, chase after. It's always an exciting time. When you give the head of all rule of authority access. God, come in. Do this with me. Do this to me. And do this for you. That's a great question. You know, we're a little cerebral here at times. We think a lot. I do a lot of logic stuff with passages. At some point, we have to do decision time. Like, at some point, we got to say, all right, I thought about it enough. Now I'm in. And sometimes churches, they say, well, raise your hand if you're accepting Christ today. Or 
If you want to pray the prayer or come up to the altar, I, feel free to come up to the altar anytime. You really feel like you need that. Or you talk to me after or send me an email. But at some point, what decision do you want to make about God? And how do we help you make it? Because it all comes down to this guy who's the head of all rule and authority, who has freed you, who's done all the active verbs for you. And he's saying, come on in. I want to give you clarity. Health. I want to establish you over time. You'll love it. What do you want to say to him? Let's pray. I'm going to give you a second. Talk to him. Tell the Lord what you want him to hear. What questions you have. Father, we're so grateful that we can talk to you. Pray, Lord, that we would hear you more. Understand when you're moving. Believe that you're not done yet, that you're active and present. And we thank you, Lord, that that, that signifies that you have freed us in so many ways through your son, Jesus, and for his finished work on the cross. Lord, we're so glad that that's finished but that there's still process left for us. That no matter how far we think we are, how damaged we think we are, that you say we're, we're actually close to you, for you, that you're close, and we have plenty of health for you to work with to bring us back to where we can experience it. I pray, Lord, that for us. And for anybody today, Lord, who, who's talking to you, I pray you'd cement it in them, what they're telling you, what they're hearing from you. Pray, Lord, that you would free us to walk the way you've called us to. We thank you for the offering we're about to receive. Pray that you would bless it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the key ways that Christ freed us is on the cross. Just before that, he sat with the disciples. He said, something's going to happen. I need you to remember it. Because when it happens, I need you to understand what it signifies, that you're free now. And it's going to get crazy, and you're going to want to forget. But do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me, he said. He took his body, uh, the bread, he broke it. 
he dipped it in the wine. He said, this is the blood of a new covenant I make with you. I'm going to be your savior. And you're going to be saved. Do this often. Amen. Uh, we got. May you see the goodness of God as you walk in the mystery of Christ. Amen. Amen. Go with him.